Good morning. Good news. How we doing? Yes, I love that. Everybody's alive and alert, even some clapping. Much better response than the 9 o'clock service. Uh, my name, I feel like I was pulling teeth trying to get something from them. My name is Strider. Uh, welcome this morning. We are so glad that you are here. I coordinate uh, disciple-making efforts for our campus and adult small groups, and uh, we are so excited that you are here worshiping with us this morning. If you are new or visiting, there is something called the Connect Card. It looks like this, located in the seats in front of you. Would love for you to take one of those out. Uh, fill out as much contact information as you feel comfortable with, and you can put those in the black boxes on your way out uh, this morning. There are, at the bottom of the card, there are a few options to take a next step, and one of those is you could check uh, that you'd like to have lunch with the pastor. If you're new and, and would like to uh, learn more about good news, uh, Smiley would love to go to lunch with you and hear more about your story, and so you can check that and he'll get in touch with you. There's also an option to come to discover good news at the on the bottom of the card, and we've already had one class uh, this week, had some new members join at the 9 o'clock service this morning, which is really neat. Uh, we have one more class this month. It's happening this Wednesday from 6 to 8 uh, here in the Connect Room, which is right outside the lobby. There is child care provided, so if you've been coming to Good News for a while and would like to make Good News your church home, you could mark that on your card. Let us know that you'd like to come, and Mindy will be in touch with you and give you some more information, uh, and we'd love to have you join us on, uh, on Wednesday night. Hey, something fun is coming up at the end of this month, and it is a super Sunday uh, on the 5th. On all the months that we have five Sundays, we do a celebration called Super Sundays, and uh, July's is a cookout. And so we are grilling hamburgers and hot dogs and would love for you to bring side dishes uh, to go along with that. Uh, if you notice on the screen, there is a QR code. And there are also invitations out in the lobby that have this QR code as well. And you can just open up your camera app and scan that. It'll take you to a link and you can sign up to bring a side dish with you. We would love for you to bring something with you. Uh, there are also invitations in the lobby. And we do this not only to, uh, to fellowship together, but this is an invitation to take with you to your neighbors and coworkers and family members and say, why don't you come with me to Super Sunday? It's going to be a ton of fun. I, I am praying, and we would love to have people share stories in the near future that start with, it all changed when I got invited to this Super Sunday event. We're going to have uh, water slides for the kids. Uh, we're going to eat inside, and then there's going to be a ton of stuff to do outside. So there's going to be water slides. There'll be slip and slides. Uh, if you're not inclined to get wet, there'll be cornhole and those kind of like, you know, picnic, tailgate kind of activities. There's also, there's also a squirt gun fight being planned that you're going to hear more details about next Sunday. And so you may want to jump on Amazon and order a super soaker. I promise you, you will not regret that decision. Uh, but Billy's going to tell, tell you more about that next week. Uh, it's going to be a ton of fun. And so don't miss it. Um, lastly... This week, uh, we took 125 students and leaders to Passion Camp, and I'm going to ask uh, a friend to come up in just a second and tell us a little bit more about that. But here's a video that will kind of give you an idea of what happened this past week.
What a great week. Passion Camp. Okay, so here's my friend. Uh, tell us, tell us who you are and how long you've been coming to Good News Church. My name is Ashley Rott, and I've been coming to Good News Church my whole life, so about 18 years, and I just graduated high school. Congratulations, by the way. Okay, Ashley, here's what everybody wants to know. Um, if you were to imitate a crab, give us your best cra- We didn't practice this, by the way. You're looking at me like a, a deer in headlights. It's okay. Give me your best crab impersonation, and I'll do it with you. What would you do if I said, crab, go? Uh, sure. If you want to do a sound or a motion, what what sound does a crab make? I don't know. Okay. Give us your best. Give us your best in- interpretation. Yeah, yeah. So we kind of like squat a little bit like this. What do you think a crab might say? Something like crabbies. <laughs> I promise you, it'll make sense later. They'll explain it to you. So you've been to Passion Camp a lot, and for the people who haven't gone, it's really hard. You watch pictures on the screen, and you're like, "That's that's fun," but like, I I don't. I don't quite get it. Tell us what Passion Camp is all about. So Passion Camp is a huge church camp that takes place in Daytona Beach, Florida. And it's just about 6,500 students that go every year. And we really just um, focus on Jesus throughout this whole week. And there's worship, and there's music, and there's teachers, but um, pastors, well-known pastors that teach a ton of the um, scripture and stuff to us. And then during the day, there's also, like, squad wars. They'll break down into, like, four to six groups um, throughout all the churches that go. And at the end of the week, they'll tell, like, from the games who has the most points and who wins. Um, yeah. Who, who won this year? We won this year. Yeah. <laughs> Maverick for life. Okay. So uh, a few weeks ago, maybe, maybe a couple months ago, we had senior night for um, our student ministry. And every year we give a senior, graduating seniors, an opportunity to just talk about the impact that Jesus has had on their life. And you get an opportunity to um, tell the underclassmen, like, here's some things that I wish that I would have known, I wish that I would have done uh, sooner. And you talked a lot about um, what Jesus did through Passion Camp. And so will you tell us just a little bit about the impact that, that Jesus has had on your life through Passion Camp? Yeah, so through Passion Camp, Jesus really changed my whole mindset, and he focused more on the consistency part of my relationship with God, and just knowing when to, like, and, like, how to read the scripture thoroughly, and keeping it a part of my everyday life, so that it's not something that just happens at Passion Camp, because a lot of what time, a lot of times what happens is students will go to these camps, and they'll have this passion high, and you'll be so thrilled with Jesus, and the whole idea of Jesus, and some students will even choose Jesus for the first time. And it's really amazing, but then you get back to normal life and everything sinks in. Um, so just being consistent and really staying in God's word at Passion Camp and afterwards and making sure that he's the priority of your life is really important. Okay, so if, you are, if you're a parent or you're sitting in the audience and you're watching the videos and you're asking yourself, okay, how, do, how, would, I, how would I contribute? How would I pray so that what you just said might come true? How would you coach parents Good News Church members to pray for students who just got back from camp. Yeah, so I think it's really important just to um, keep these students in our prayers and our thoughts that their faith wouldn't just be this one-time thing that happened at Passion Camp, but that it's a reoccurring thing that happens in their daily lives so that they can go out and they can witness to people and share what they've learned um, and then have an impact on everybody around them. Yeah, amen. Okay, last question. What is Jesus doing in your life currently, and what's next for Ashley Rock? 
Yeah, so he, um, like I said, just the consistency thing, staying in the scripture, reading God's word every day and making it a part of my life. Um, and he's actually opened doors for me. So in September, I'll be going um, to Hawaii with YWAM, which is Youth with a Mission. And um, from there, they'll send me around the world to continue the missionary work, and they'll discipleship train me. Um, and then I can just further my education with and walk with the Lord and just fulfill the plan that he has for my life. Way to go. Way to go. So as Smiley uh, comes to speak, would you pray for him? And would you also pray for the students who just got back from Passion Camp? Yeah. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for Smiley and the words that he's about to speak to everybody. I pray that it inspires us to go out and make a change um, this week and following after these weeks that his words will just speak life into us. I pray for all of the students that attended Passion Camp, that they were enlivened and they really got to know who they are in Christ and that your work would just follow out in their lives and that they can spread the word of God and just have an impact on everybody else and change lives around them and their friends and just continue to choose Jesus every single day. Amen. Thanks so much. This week we do rejoice at seeing one person put their faith in Christ and we rejoice with that. If you're new, we're walking through 2 Timothy together. <clears throat> It's a great idea to bring a Bible. If you have your Bible, turn with me there. And if you don't, bring a Bible. It's God's Word, and it's very, very helpful to get familiar with His Word. We're going to read from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. And So I'm going to ask you, if you would stand while we read this, that sometimes it's really good to pay attention to God's Word by standing. Remember, this is God's Word. Retain the standard of sound doctrine which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus, guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. Uh, you may be seated. Um, if you don't know this about me, I love sports because if there's competition, I want to watch. But I, but I really like track, and the reason I like track is when I watch gymnastics or diving, I can't quite figure out who wins because I have to wait for the judges to interpret what was done. But what I love about track is it's pretty easy to spot the winner. The one who crosses the finish line first wins, right? I love that. And I especially love relay races uh, where you have the 4 by 100 and you have the 4 by 400 and uh, four runners, they, they receive the baton, they run their own leg and then they hand it off to someone else. And they do it, they have to do it within an exchange zone. If it's before or after, they're disqualified. Oh, and how many times I've seen the United States and the Olympics, and they have the four best runners, and this happens. They drop the baton, and if you drop the baton, you can't win. Did you know that we're a part of a great relay race? Did you know that? It's a disciple-making relay race. I mean, our purpose as a church is to make disciples together. And there was a day that Jesus took the gospel and he handed it to an apostle. And then that apostle handed it to someone and handed it to someone until one day someone handed it to us. 
You know, one of the neat things about heaven, we're going to see all the people who ran a leg in that race. And it's going to be so cool to see how the gospel was passed all the way from Jesus to us and then all the people that we pass it on to as well. The Apostle Paul is in the exchange zone. He's been preaching the gospel for 30 years, and he's about to the end. He's about to the end of the exchange zone, and he's putting the gospel into Timothy's hand because he knows he's about to die. And like in a relay race, they say, you know, run hard. Well, he puts it into his hand and says, guard the gospel, guard the gospel. And uh, that's the, the message the point of today's message is it's going to be really simple. It's going to be guard the gospel. Matter of fact, this whole message is going to be really, really simple because the action step is the same as the point. And the action step, what I'm going to ask you to do today is to guard the gospel, to guard the gospel. Um, the title of today's message is called Building a Church Leadership That Lasts. Paul had planted the church in Ephesus and, and now Timothy's the pastor, and he wants to train Timothy how he can build a church leadership that lasts so the gospel is passed on from generation to generation until Jesus comes back. And Boy, that's important to me, too. I'm getting to the end of my exchange zone and where I'm passing the gospel on to you, and, and I want you to build a, a church leadership that lasts so the gospel is passed on and on until that day Jesus comes back. So what we're going to see as we walk through this, this book together we're going to see in chapter 1, guard the gospel. That's what we're learning about today. And then we'll come back in chapter 2 and learn how the gospel's worth suffering for. Suffer for the gospel. When you're running a race, sometimes what? It, it hurts. <laughs> and, you're, and, and you're thinking about dropping out. But no, no, suffer for the gospel. Continue in the gospel. No matter how much it hurts, don't stop. And then we'll finish with preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. And I want you to know that the Apostle Paul was encouraging Timothy. He was saying, you can do it. You can do it. You can guard the gospel because you've been given the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know, you can do it. You can do it. You can guard the gospel. You can suffer for the gospel. You can continue in the gospel. You can preach the gospel because you've been given the Holy Spirit. So guard the gospel is like a relay race. And there's three key components in that race, right? The first thing is I need to what? I need to receive the gospel. And so this morning we're going to learn how to receive the gospel. And then, and then I need to carry the gospel with me, not leave it behind, right? I need to carry the gospel with me, right? And then I need to pass on the gospel to someone else. So let's start with receive the gospel. Um, verse 13 retain the standard of sound words. That's, that's the gospel, the good news of Jesus, which you first heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Well, Paul says, Timothy, don't you remember? Don't you remember you first heard the gospel from me? It was from me that you heard the good news that we're saved by faith, by faith and not by works. You heard the gospel from me. You heard from me how much Jesus loved you. Oh, man. I remember who first shared the gospel with me. Do you? That person who loved me so much that they took a risk to share the gospel with me. My young life leader loved me enough to, to share the gospel, beginning with the bad news of my son. He shared with me how I was a sinner. Do you know that we all are? 
In the book of Isaiah 53, verse 6, all of us like sheep have come as, gone astray. How many? And then each of us has turned to his own way. How many? You know why we need to hear that? Because we live in a time now where we're continually hearing critical theory. And critical theory says the people above the line are good and never do wrong. And the people that are below the line are wrong and never do right. But the reality is the Bible says what? That we have all sin, all of us, especially me. Do you know what a sin is? A sin is a crime against God. It's very personal. As I'm reading through the Bible, I'm shocked at how often against me, against me, against me, you've sinned. And most people never even think of how their sin offends God. That we don't just break God's rules, we break God's hearts. So what's your plan to get to heaven? Is it, is it to be good? Listen, good works will never work, and let me show you why. In, in Isaiah 64, verse 6, for all of us have become like one who is unclean. How many of us are unclean? All of us. Now listen to this next verse. And all our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment. Some of us imagine that our good deeds are going to outweigh our bad deeds and we're going to get into heaven. But the Bible says the very best we offer are filthy rags. And I know you don't believe that, but like sometimes I imagine my teeth are white. And then I'll hold a tissue paper next to my teeth and I go, wow. Your teeth are yellow. And so we imagine we're good, right? But I'll never forget the day the Holy Spirit opened my eyes. And when I saw Jesus, I saw my sin. Have your eyes ever been opened? Have you ever seen your sin? For all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment, and all of us wither like a leaf, and our iniquity like the wind take us away. We have all committed crime after crime against God, and what we deserve is God's wrath. The Bible says what we deserve is hell. But my young life leader shared with me not only the bad news, you know, he taught me about Jesus. Oh, I love Jesus. Do you? When you've seen your sin, and when you understand that what you deserve is hell, and you see that Jesus loved us enough to die for our sins so we wouldn't have to go to hell and we could do life and eternity with him, that changes everything. Have you ever seen him? Oh, back to Isaiah. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. See, Jesus is God who became a man to do something about our sin problem. And there was a day, and I saw Jesus, and you know, his hands were stretched this wide, and he said, I love you this much. He took my sins, he took our sins upon himself, and, and, and he died in our place, and he stayed on the cross until he could cry out, it is finished, paid in full, that Jesus paid in full. When I understood what he did for me, that was a game changer. Have you seen that? You see, Jesus died for our sins. He was buried, but the third day he rose from the grave because death is the penalty for sin, and having paid the penalty in full, death couldn't hold him. So he walks out and he offers a salvation. Do you know what salvation from? It's salvation from sin. It's salvation from death. It's salvation from being separated from God and all good things forever. 
and it's salvation for forgiveness that we could go to bed at night knowing we're forgiven it's salvation for doing life with Jesus and spending eternity with Jesus and all good things and it's a free gift and we receive the gift by faith right Oh, man, I'll never forget the first time I heard this. For by grace, you've been saved through faith. Really? It's by grace? It's through faith? That's so contrary to everything in life. For by grace, you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Are you kidding me? That, listen, I need to believe in Jesus, and when I do, I'll be saved? Yes. Isn't that not the greatest offer ever made? So let me share with you how I put my faith in Christ. Saving faith really is simple, like ABC, where we admit and believe and commit. And if you've never done that, you can do that now, or I'll give you a chance as we close in prayer. But when I saw Jesus and the Holy Spirit open my eyes to see my sin, I admitted, Jesus, I've sinned against you in many ways. And if you've never had, won't you do that? Isn't that true of you? Oh, and when I saw Jesus crucified for me and risen, I said, Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins and rose. And, and then I committed to Jesus as Savior. Jesus, come in and forgive me and, and give me eternal life. And he did, won't you? And I said, be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. And he did, oh, won't you? Oh, and if you have, won't you thank him? Oh, Jesus, thank you. For by grace, you've been saved through faith. We've been forgiven. We get to do life in eternity with Jesus. How amazing is that? And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works that no one may boast. So, first we receive the gospel. Someone shares. and We believe the bad news and the good news and, and, and that we believe, right? Now, notice what he says, retain the standard of sound doctrine, of sound words. Um, some translations say the pattern, the pattern of sound teaching the gospel. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but if you come every week, you'll hear a pattern. You'll hear every week that there's three parts to the gospel. You'll hear there's bad news, and you'll hear there's good news, and you'll hear our part is to respond because I'm giving you a pattern. Because one day you'll move away, you'll go to another church, and you need to know whether the church preaches the gospel or not. And so you'll be trained. And you can listen and say, you know what? They never speak about the bad news. They never speak about So I want you to know that the gospel has bad news of sin and death. And the gospel has good news of Jesus who died and rose for us. And the gospel has our part to believe. I want you to know that. I want you to know that because when you go to share your faith with someone, I want you to be able to share the whole gospel. And so I want you to remember there's bad news and there's good news in our part, right? Oh, I, I've been at this for a long time, and I've interviewed hundreds of people uh, who wanted to be members, and I said, well, why should God let you into heaven? And people often tell me, well, I've accepted Jesus into my heart. And whenever they say that, I'm hopeful they're meaning with an A and not with an E, right? I'm hoping they're saying they accepted Jesus into their heart, right, rather than they accepted him. Now let me ask you, is that a right answer or a wrong answer? What is that? It's a, it's an incomplete answer. And so what happens in that is I get into the circle of death. 
You know what the circle of death is on your phone or your computer or you're streaming something. And here's how the circle of death goes. I asked someone, why should God let you into heaven? And they said, because I've accepted Jesus into my heart. <laughs> okay, so I want more. So then I say, well, why did you accept him into your heart? And they say, what? <laughs> so I could go to heaven. <laughs> and now I'm locked into the circle of death because I'm just going in circles. What I'm listening for, what I'm listening for is the bad news where they admit I've sinned. What I'm listening for is that they know who Jesus is and what he's done for them. What I'm listening for is they have accepted Jesus into their heart as Lord and Savior because they realize they need Jesus in their heart to be saved. Listen, I'm not looking for a theological treatise. Uh, take the thief on the cross. You can listen and know that he's headed to heaven. You know why? Because he understands the bad news, right? He says what? We're getting what we deserve. He admitted he was a sinner. Listen, he understood enough about Jesus to say, this man has done nothing wrong. He believed in Jesus, and then he committed. Listen, he didn't say, Jesus, let me into heaven because I've lived such a good life. Did he? I mean, he's dying on the cross as a thief, right? What did he say? Oh, Jesus, you're my only hope. Remember me. Um, so, listen, to guard the gospel, it starts when we receive the gospel. We understand the gospel and we believe. But then, listen, it means to, to guard the gospel means we run with the gospel. Listen, when you receive the baton in a relay race, you need to carry it with you the whole way. You can't drop it, you can't leave it there. See, a lot of people believe that we begin the Christian life with the gospel, but then we make progress through our own effort. A lot of people believe the gospel is for lost people, and the way we grow in the Christian life is by applying the principles of God's word to our lives, and it's not. We begin with the gospel the way we make progress is we learn to apply the gospel to our entire life. And that's what he's saying here, retain, hang on. <laughs> Don't let go of the sound doctrine. Don't let go of the gospel, which you have heard from me in the faith. We begin the Christian life by faith. We make progress by faith, right? In the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. We begin the Christian life captured by the love of Christ. We keep walking the Christian life. When we're captured by love, we're overwhelmed by the gospel. And to help us walk by faith and to help us be continually overwhelmed by the love of Christ, Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit. So notice what he says in verse 14, guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, the treasure which has been entrusted to us. The gospel is the treasure. And Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit so we would uh, guard the treasure. You see, the Bible reveals Jesus as true, but the Holy Spirit reveals him as treasure. When we become Christians, Jesus moves in and he says, follow me. And he becomes our model for life and ministry but Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit to give us the desire and power to follow Jesus. By the way, that's why he's called the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, he's not called the Holy Spirit because he's holier than the Father or holier than the Son. He's given to make us holy. And here's what he does. He loves to exalt Jesus. He says, Jesus is the treasure. He's the treasure. Because when Jesus is our treasure, following him will be our pleasure. 
The Holy Spirit says, look at Jesus. He lived a beautiful life. That's the way life was meant to be lived. Don't you want to live life that way? The Holy Spirit says, Jesus is wiser than you. Follow him. The Holy Spirit says, he knows the path to happiness better than you. Follow him. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And when we understand the gospel and begin to apply it to our life, oh, listen to this. In Psalm 16, verse 11, you will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. The Holy Spirit says, look at Jesus Listen, he's asking you to follow him on the path to life. Jesus leads to life. Sin leads to death. Why wouldn't you want to follow him? When Jesus is our treasure, following him will be our pleasure. Notice next, in your presence is fullness of joy. Jesus knows the path to happiness better than you. Follow Jesus. In your right hand. Uh, There are pleasures forever. Listen, when Jesus is our treasure, following him will be our pleasure. That's applying the gospel to our lives so we make progress. How about in John 14? John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. (laughs) You know people who apply principles to their life? Here's how they read this. I mean... If you love Jesus, you'll keep his commandments. You're not keeping his commandments, you must not love Jesus very much. But do you know what the verse says? Jesus saying, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That's why the Holy Spirit's always stirring us in us, a love of Jesus. Look at Jesus. When Jesus is your treasure, listen, following him will be your pleasure. Listen, he's wiser than you. He knows the path to happiness better than you. Follow Jesus. Listen, when Jesus captures our hearts with his love, we gladly give him our hands and feet to follow him. One more. So good. In 1 John 5, verse 3, for this is the love of God. What What does it look like to love God? Uh, That we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. When Jesus captures our hearts with his love, we gladly give him our hands and feet. Now, stay with me. If I believe that all the people who are cheating on their spouses are having more fun than I am by being faithful to my wife, it's going to be incredibly difficult for what? For me to be faithful to my spouse, right? But if I believe Jesus that he knows the path to happiness better than I do, and this is the way to happiness, then it's not so hard to be faithful because Jesus is the one who knows the path to happiness better than me. And when I look around me, what I see is those that are unfaithful wreck their lives. If I believe that people who rob money from banks and they have more money than me, if, if having more money really made you happy then it's going to be hard for me to go to work each day and earn a living, right? (laughs) But if I believe Jesus, that he's the joy giver, he knows the path to happiness better, then I'm strengthened to go to work each day and earn a living. Because when I look around me and I see people who steal, it doesn't lead to happiness. It leads to disaster. If I believe telling the truth and being honest, I mean, if the people that are lying are just having so much better of a time in life than I am, It's going to be really hard to be a person of truth, isn't it? 
But what if I believe Jesus? What if I believe the Holy Spirit? That Jesus is wiser than me? Why? What if I believe that he knew the path to happiness better than me? Then wouldn't it be like this? For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome? Well, are you saying it's never difficult? Sure, it's difficult sometimes. But then I just practice my ABCs. I apply the gospel. Jesus, I admit, this makes no sense to me. Everything you, in, you call me to do is impossible for me to do, and then I believe, right? But Jesus, I believe that you supply what you command, that you know the path to happiness better than me, so may your Holy Spirit give me the desire and power and commit. I want to follow after you, right? I want to teach you how to live a gospel-centered life. I want to teach you how to run with the gospel. I want to teach you how to apply the gospel to all of your life so that you can treasure Jesus and following him will be your pleasure. Oh, did you know that in a book like Ephesians, did you know this? The first three chapters are all gospel. We're not asked to do anything. In the first three chapters, it's all indicatives, all that God has done for me, uh, for us. And then there's a shift. And then you move that once Jesus captures your heart, once you treasure him, once you know that Jesus is our treasure and following him will be our pleasure, then he shows all the pleasurable ways we can follow him with all the imperatives that instruct us how to live. Did you know that Colossians is exactly the same way? way? The first two chapters are all gospel. It's all that Jesus has done for us. We're not asked to do anything. But once we treasure Jesus, once we want to follow Jesus, then he shares with us how we can follow him. When Jesus is our treasure, following him will be our pleasure. Oh, if you're not reading the Bible and you don't have a study, pick up a study. Join us in 1 Corinthians, will you? We just finished Romans, and Romans is the same way. For 11 chapters in Romans, for 11 chapters, we're not asked to do anything. It just tells us how we were lost, and how Jesus saved us, and how he gave us the Holy Spirit, and how nothing will ever separate us from his love, and there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We're not asked to do anything for 11 chapters. And then we got to chapter 12, right? Remember? And now that Jesus is your treasure, now that you're blown away by how much he loves you, here's how we respond. You know what we do? We give people moral instruction without teaching them the gospel. Moral instruction teaches us right from wrong, and that's important. But it's the gospel that gives us the power to keep the moral instruction. So after 11 chapters, now he says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God. And I've taught you, right, that when you see therefore, you ask, what is that therefore, therefore? And, oh, for 11 chapters, for 11 chapters, I've taught you how much God loves you. So how do we respond when Jesus is our treasure, how do we respond? Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Give Him your bodies. 
Lord, here are my eyes. Help me to see people the way you see them. Lord, here are my ears. Help me to listen to you. Lord, here's my hands. Help me to serve others the way you've served me. Lord, here's my feet. Help me to go where you want me to go to share the gospel and stay away from the places you want me to stay away. Lord, here's my mouth. May my mouth sing your praises and share the gospel with others. So the first thing that he says in response to the gospel is to give him our bodies. And then he says to give him our minds. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Jesus lived a good, acceptable, a beautiful life. And he says, follow me. And how do we learn what that life is? By renewing our minds. Notice it's renewing. It's a daily experience. And you know why? It's because we live in a culture that's continually trying to squeeze us into its mold. Here it says, and do not be conformed to this world, that J.B. Phillips says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. We live in a toxic culture. And we are way more influenced by our culture than most of us understand. Uh, to illustrate that, when we first moved back to St. Augustine, we rented a home at Volano Beach, and our landlord actually owned another home in Orlando, and he's out in the yard one day, and he's spraying his yard for bugs. And while he's spraying his yard for bugs, mosquitoes are biting him. Now, he is a guy, not too bright, right? And he figures if this will kill the bugs, it'll take care of the mosquitoes. And all the people in the medical business are filled with horror of what I'm about to say because they understand something. So he sprayed the insecticide on himself. And something that most of us don't know and medical people know is how porous our skin is. And so the poison went right into his bloodstream and he was out in a second. And praise the Lord, he didn't die. Oh, dear people, we are so porous and we live in a toxic culture. And that's why every morning I get up and I have breakfast with Jesus because I want to preach the gospel to myself and remember that when Jesus is our treasure, following him will be our pleasure. I want to remember every morning that Jesus is wiser than I am and that, and that Jesus knows the path to happiness better than I do, right? We need to continually renew our minds. We run with the gospel. And you know why I love Sunday? I love Sunday because it's not a toxic place. It's not like our culture. We get to come and we get to renew our mind through hearing anew the gospel. So, to guard the gospel, uh, to run the great relay race first, we receive the gospel, right? And then, man, we run with the gospel. We don't leave it behind. We run with it and then we pass on the gospel. We pass on the gospel to others. Oh, didn't you hear this? Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to us. We have been given a treasure, a treasure, and the treasure is the gospel. Two words I want you to notice in this verse. Notice the word guard, and then notice the word entrusted. Okay? Uh, guard the treasure. It's been entrusted to you. Now, remember last week when we were in verse 12? I'm going to show you these two words again. In, in verse 12, For this reason I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, 
And I am convinced he is able to guard, see there's that word again, what I have entrusted, see there it is, to him until that day. Oh, when we heard the gospel, when we received the gospel right, we entrusted to Jesus our lives and our eternities. We entrusted our lives and eternity to him to guard. Because we believe our lives are more secure in His hands than in ours. And we're trusting Him to forgive us, to be with us every step of the way, and to get us safely home, right? Oh, but while we're here, and we're still in the exchange zone, Jesus entrusts a treasure to us. He entrusts the gospel to us. Oh, oh and what a treasure it is, right? Remember back in January when we were in chapter 1? And remember when we were in chapter 1 and verse 11 and we read according to the glorious gospel? Do you know the word gospel means good news? It's news. It's not just true, but it's, it's good news. But even good news isn't enough. Don't you love this? According to what? The glorious gospel. When you hear the gospel, do you still say that's the most amazing thing that I've ever heard? And notice what it is. The glorious gospel of the blessed God of the happy God. We have good news for a lost world. The gods of pagans is a grumpy God, but our God is a happy God. The message we bring is of a happy God according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. We have good news. God does not want to make people miserable. Come on, we do a really good job of that all by ourselves, don't we? Don't we? Listen, the gospel is of the happy God who wants to save us from sin and death so that we can do life and eternity with Him, so that we can follow Jesus in this life and be reasonably happy in this life, knowing we'll be supremely happy in the life to come. I mean, come on, we are broken people living in a broken world. But when we do life with Jesus, we can be reasonably happy in this life because we know one day we won't be broken and one day the world won't be broken and we'll be supremely happy in the life to come. So listen, we've been given a treasure, the gospel of the happy God. And remember last week? Remember last week we learned there's a cure for death. There's a pill. There's a pill we can take that's a cure for death. Do you know anyone who's going to die? Do you? I mean, if you believed you had been given a pill that could cure people from death, wouldn't you want to share it? And we learned about the gospel, right? Did you take it? Did you tell your face? Did you share it with anyone? Oh, remember what we read last week? Oh. And now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus. Isn't it good news that we don't save ourselves, we have a Savior? Then notice, who abolished death. Isn't that the deepest longing of every heart is we want to live forever? There's a cure for death, the gospel. Oh, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. We've been entrusted with the cure for death. What a cure. I mean, what a, what a treasure. So Jesus has entrusted to us the glorious good news of the happy God. He's entrusted to us the treasure, the gospel, the cure for death. Oh, and he calls us to pass on the gospel, to pass it on. Uh, boy, one of the most frightening verses in the Bible to me is in Judges, in Judges chapter 2. 
we read all that generation also. Joshua's generation were gathered to their fathers. They saw all these amazing things that God did. Uh, and there arose a generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. You know what happened with that generation? People who knew God didn't pass on what they knew to the next generation. Oh, we can't be that generation, right? We've been entrusted with a treasure, the gospel of the happy God. We've been entrusted with the cure for death. We simply must pass it on. Guard the gospel through the Holy Spirit. And what does that look like? Uh, in a few weeks, we'll be there in 2 Timothy 2, too. Here's how, how you do it. Notice, the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. Every week, every week you come and hear things, right? You come and hear things. That's the first step. We receive it, right? And, and then he says, here's the next step. Entrust these to faithful men. So you take what you learn and you go and you give it to others. And then notice, and these entrust who will be able to teach others also. So the gospel's passed on and passed on and passed on. When was the last time you passed on to someone else what you received? So listen, I want to I teach you, I want to equip you to be able to pass on what you hear. It's, it's really, really simple if you can get it. It's really simple. Uh, Jesus is the answer. What is the question? What I want you to understand is Jesus is the answer. What is the question? I mean, kids understand that in Sunday school, right? You ask them any question, they do what? Jesus. Well, that's, that's really good. See, if we learn how to give people what they need in the context of what they want, then we become effective at passing on our faith. One more time, if we give people what they need, Jesus, in the context of what they want, many other things, then we're effective. Jesus modeled that for us, didn't he? He speaks with a woman at the well. Hey, would you give me some water? She gives him some water. And then he says, listen, uh, I have some water. And if you drink it, you'll never thirst again. You interested? What'd she say? Well, of course I am. And when he was with people and they wanted some bread, and what did he say? He says, I've got some bread. And if you eat the bread that I get, you'll never hunger again. You interested? Tell me more about that bread. So let me show you the verse that shows you that Jesus is the answer regardless of the question. It's in Colossians chapter 1, verse 17. Now notice very clearly, He is before all things. Jesus is eternal. And in Him, what? All things hold together. And so what that verse means is Jesus is the answer regardless of the question. And you say, what? So here's the bad news of this verse. Here's the bad news. When people, as people move away, as families move away, as churches move away, as nations move away from Jesus, what happens? What happens? Come on, what happens? It all falls apart. Don't we see that all around us? Don't we as people, as families, as churches, as nations move away? What happens? Everything falls apart. Hey, but here's the good news. Here's the good news. When people move toward Jesus, when families move 
toward Jesus. When churches move, toward Jesus. When nations move, toward Jesus. Listen, he puts them back together again. In him, all things hold together, no matter what's broken. Jesus is the answer. What's the question? Let me ask you a question. Who do you know? Who do you know right now whose life is falling apart? Don't you know someone? Wouldn't they love to hear what we learned today? Won't you go to them and say, hey, uh, you know what we learned in church today? That Jesus can put people back together again. Would you like to know how? And if they do, won't you show them this verse? In Him, all things hold together. He can put you together. Let me ask you a question. Who do you know whose family is falling apart? You know them just like I do, right? Whose marriages and family. Who do you know whose life is falling apart? Do you love them enough to go and say, hey, can I share with you what we learned in church on Sunday? Uh, listen, will you do that? And, and, and listen, we learned that Jesus can put families back together. He, he can, he can. Are you interested? And if they say yes, then bring them here. In Him, all things hold together. If your life is like mine, this week you will talk to someone and they will say, our country is headed in the wrong direction. And when they say that, I want you to go, yes. Listen, this is my opportunity. Listen, when they say that, won't you say, hey, could I share with you what we learned in church on Sunday? And if they say, yes, we learn that Jesus has a plan for changing a nation and we can be a part of it. When people move toward Jesus, He puts them together. And when He puts people together, He puts marriages and families together. And when He puts marriages and families together, He puts churches together. And when churches come together, nations are changed. So are you going to spend the rest of your life complaining about what's happening or thinking you're going to elect someone who's going to change everything? Or are you going to respond to the imitation of Jesus to say, follow me and let's change the world together? Uh, I told you it was pretty simple, right? Guard the gospel. That's it. Guard the gospel. What's our assignment this week? It's really simple. It's really simple. Guard the gospel. How do we do that? How do we do that? We receive the gospel of you. We run with the gospel. No one needs the gospel more than I do or we do. But then we pass on the gospel because the one thing that's true of every person is that everyone needs the gospel. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for coming into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross and rising to offer us salvation. Listen, if today for the first time you've come to understand that salvation is, is by faith in Christ, won't you put your faith in him? One day it'll be too late. Won't you say, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. 
Well, if you've done that for the first time, way to go. Won't you mark that on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you or, or tell someone. Oh. Jesus, I pray for those of us who've received the gospel that we would run with the gospel this week, that we would listen to the Holy Spirit when Jesus is our treasure, following Him will be our pleasure. Lord, that we would listen to the Spirit this week as we run with the gospel, that Jesus, You're wiser than us. You know the path to happiness. Holy Spirit, give us the desire and power to follow Jesus. And listen, if you're stuck today in a sin... Won't you admit to Jesus, Jesus, what I'm doing is wrong. And won't you believe, Jesus, I believe your plan is better. I need you. Holy Spirit, give me the desire and power to follow you. And won't you commit yourself to following him? And Lord, I pray this week that, that we would pass on the gospel to others. Lord, who is that person we know whose life is falling apart. Lord, fill us with a love that we would go and share what we learn. Lord, who do we know whose marriage and family is just falling apart? Lord, send us to them to share what we've learned. Lord, this week when we have conversations and people talk about how we're on the wrong path, Lord, help us. Help us to love them. Give us courage that we would point them toward Jesus. Lord, we're so thankful that there's hope for every person. There's hope for every family. There's hope for every church. There's hope for every nation because in you all things hold together. And we pray in Jesus' name.